looking at the end of verse 14. But I want to read the sentence so you kind of get an idea and bring back to your memory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intentions of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view of the administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and on the earth, and in him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of His glory in Him. You also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Father, this is Your Word. We thank you. And Father, as the Apostle Paul states, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come today to thank you. We celebrated the table in remembrance of what was done. And yet, Father, we look here in eternity past and see your plan being fleshed out even among us today. What an awesome concept. Father, your ways are not our ways. And we praise you for that. And I pray, Father, that we who are called by your name are willing to submit in such a way that we understand, we completely understand our position in the kingdom. Father, also our position here in this temporal world. To you, my Lord, my King. Amen. We've been going through what I call uh, Paul sharing what was going on in the Godhead before creation. They came up with, uh, if you wanted to use it, uh, the master plan. And in the course of time, the administration of time, the summing up of all things, it is being fleshed out to this very day. We who are redeemed, been purchased at the slave block, are in the body of Christ today. That has nothing to do with attending a church, a congregation. That happens the moment you're saved. But there should be a stirring in the soul of a Christian to be around other Christians. One, 
so that we can strengthen others. And two, we can be strengthened by others. Because I hate to tell you, you walk out of here, you're outnumbered. And so it's astonishing to me that in the power of the grace that has been lavished on us, we are so neglectful of it. God has empowered every believer in the person of the Holy Spirit so that they have a supernatural ability to strengthen other believers. I seen a bumper sticker the other day and I thought it was really cool. If I can figure out where to get one, I'm going to own one. It says, I have common sense. What is your superpower? <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. But I think about spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. And it's a tragedy what I see. I see a lot of people with talent. And that's what the church is exercising right now is talent. But one of the things that I've learned is that's not supernatural. I mean, if I can get over and start playing the piano right now, that's supernatural. But if you practice long enough, you can play the piano. Well, except me. I look at it, it's got, it's got too many keys. I can't do that. I only got ten fingers. Look at all that. That's the thing that I want you to understand. When we look at this, it began, grace and peace be to you, God, Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Why? Then he begins with, blessed be. Speak well of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We looked at it and seen the Trinity's aspect of blessing. That was verses 3 through 6. Also encompassed in those three verses is the body. First used, the body. Jesus called it the church. The word means, it says ecclesia, so it means the called out ones. We see a lot of references, the bride of Christ. But have you ever thought about it as the body? The body. Verses 6 through 10, we see redemption. The Trinity's plan for the aspects of redemption. 11 through 14, the Trinity's plan that guarantees us an inheritance. Okay? That's it. That's what that sentence covers. Blessing, body, redemption, inheritance. Other than that, it's kind of lacking. All right? But at the end of verse 14, I want to look at this because I want to look at the goal of our inheritance. Now, remember, this is amazing to me. He starts this sentence off with what? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? He ends the sentence to the praises of His glory. I mean, it bookends the sentence. And the focus is who? Okay? 
In light of what we've been looking at, our blessings, the body, the redemption, inheritance, in that light, what is the goal of our inheritance? Why do you do this? Why in the, why? Easy. To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. Now I want you to think about this for a second. We're going to do our budget meeting here in a little bit and all the rest of it. That's always fun. Everybody gets happy about it. But I want you to think about this, Christian. God wants to be glorified through you. Every single one of us. Ever thought about that? He wants to reflect His glory through each of us individually. And when that happens individually, then the body does what? Glorifies God. The whole thing. I've been pondering a question. God and the person of the Holy Spirit and each of His people is changing our very nature So that we will glorify Him. And we're going to do it individually. And then when we gather, we do it collectively. And we manifest the glory of God to a lost and dying world. So here's a question for you. It's summer. We're in the dog days of summer and vacation and whatever else we're doing. And we're busy and... You know, the weather's nice, the grass needs cut, the house needs painting, uh, whatever it is you're doing. But I'm going to ask you a simple question. If this church disappeared, would anyone in the community know it? Simple question. Would anybody know it? Because, see, I have a hard time with this saying... We collectively are here to glorify God. We bring praise to His name, each of us individually. And how does the community not know it? God wants to be glorified through each and every one. By the way, We are not Christians for our glory. Do not think that the pulpit is immune to stealing the glory. Don't ever think that. And if you think that, I'll ask you one question. Why do so many secular businesses own Christian publishing companies. Why do you need to write a book when I got 66 dandies? But we like it. We we want the accolades. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Peter. But I'm of Christ. It's not a new phenomenon. That's 1 Corinthians. Don't think you're immune to it. 
Don't think you don't want to share the glory. Christianity is not for those who seek to be somebody. I know numerous times people would ask me a question and I would say, I don't know. Well, how how's come you don't know? I just never found that. Or it never came to my mind. Or you know what? In some cases, it ain't in here. And if it ain't in here, I ain't going to make something up. I remember a kid one time, a tad bit on the peacock side. Doctor, where did sin come from? <laughs> he looked at him and says, none of your business. <laughs> He's like, what? He says, if God wanted us to know, he'd have put it in Scripture. But he didn't want us to know it ain't in there. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Next question. <laughs> All right. These are the things. And, you know, we do this in the name of Christianity. Listen, I'll tell you something. I can never remember. I love history. You know this. I can never remember in church history the church being as arrogant as she is right now. Uh, I, I heard an Englishman call it, she is haughty. She is haughty. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Does that hurt? And she is. She is. Look at what we do. We got bells and whistles and audio visual and we got this, we got that and rock concert. There's a church here in town that's got a youth facility thing. I don't, I don't know. And I tell you what, they said, well, what do you think about it? I walked in there. The thing's a bar. It ain't got no booze. But it's, this, I've been in bars. This thing's a bar. And I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, looks just like the holy holies. No, man, this is a bar. That's that's not what we're here for. Listen. Anytime you think that you're going to seek to be somebody, when, when you do that, when you think you're going to be somebody, when you think you have some kind of authority, when you think you're important, when you think that I can use this as a stepway to becoming famous, let me tell you something. That is the very day you enter into competition with the eternal God. And guess what? You lose. Every single time. I don't know how many times I have watched men who all of a sudden were selling books by the gazillions, and then they fall. I have a TV show, and I'm reaching the whole country, and then they fall. I, how you Listen, just us. We can think about how many TV preachers have we seen bite the dirt because they became famous. Now you think about that. I was thinking about Dr. MacArthur. That dude writes a bunch of books. I mean, gee, many crickets he writes a bunch of books. And they all sell. The Actually, the MacArthur Study Bible is the largest selling study Bible on the market. Okay, To the point, 
NIV wanted him to do a translation in their text. And, you know, his footnotes and then it would be the NIV MacArthur Study Bible. And he said, yeah, I will under one condition. And he says, what's that? I said, I can edit your errors. And they said, well, we don't want you to do that. But when they started watching how many Bibles he was selling, and they understand that's Zondervan, and they're owned by seculars. When they saw how much money he was generating in this Bible, they said, yeah, go ahead and edit our Bible. Okay? Which is on that same frame. Why in the world would you copyright your translation of Scripture? You know that? That's nuts. Let me guess. You copyright it because the royalties you get, you give to God. Right? So where is it to the praise of His glory? When you think you're important, you're in competition with God, and you only lose every time. Listen, Scripture is very adamant about this. If I use the politically correct translation, we are servants. If you're true to the text, we are slaves. Okay, well, we're bond slaves. You know, that's not in the text, right? We like to say that because, you know, under Jewish law, if you were a Jew and you were indentured to someone after seven years... You were free to go. But sometimes you got along well in the household and whatever. So you would take an awe and you'd punch a hole in your ear. That was the original piercing of ears. But anyway, see, I, I'm not into that, dude. Uh, but that, that's what they would do. And they said, well, that means that I wanted to stay. Okay? That ain't what a slave is to Christ. I've been bought and paid for with a price. Now I'm about my father's work. I need to figure out what the boss, what my master wants of me. Why? So he'll get the praise and glory. Listen, we're slaves and that should be just enough that we should be humbled by God's grace. That should overwhelm us. Listen, when things don't go right, why do you get angry? Maybe that's exactly what God wanted. Oh, wait, it is exactly what God wanted. But yet, it didn't fit my program. Oh, so who gets the praise here? Do we understand what he has done for us. Do we understand that? Because if you do, then it is second nature. It is part of your being to praise His glory. It's continual. It isn't, well, today's Sunday, I should praise His glory. Oh, look, I won the winning lotto. I shall praise His glory. That ain't what it is. 
should be our very fiber because of what he has done for us. And it should be humbling because of his grace. You know, when I think about being a Christian, I I, I watch a lot of people make it extraordinarily complicated. And and, and and it's just... uh, (laughs) Your worship is too complex for me. Okay? My Lord knows that I am simple. He made me. I am simple-minded. I'm straight to the point. I do not believe in a lot of verbiage. That is who I am. But my single focus is to lift up Christ Jesus. And that should be what we're all about. God has done these things for us. If you look at the beginning of verse 14, who has given as a pledge of our inheritance. What is that? The Holy Spirit of promise. Given as a pledge. That's the New American Standard Translation. Some of your Bibles will say earnest. Okay, you know what earnest is? It's what you do when you get ready to buy a house. They'll ask for earnest money. Okay. Given as a pledge. The earnest of our inheritance was given, and that was the Holy Spirit of promise. When? At the moment of your salvation, which was in eternity past. Pledge of our inheritance. Why? With the view of the redemption of God's own possession. Earnest money to take possession. Earnest. Okay, the word there that I have in the New American Standard is pledge. In the Greek, it's erabon. Erabon. And it literally means a down payment. A down payment is one meaning of the word erabon. I was given a down payment... The Holy Spirit of promise, the Erebon, the pledge, the earnest, that God is going to give me and all who believe all of his promises. And here's the down payment on it. The Holy Spirit. Now, you know what I, what is kind of cool about that? You know why they want you, when you make an offer on a property, or even sometimes on a car, okay, they'll ask for earnest money or a down payment, a deposit, okay? You know what that means? To the, the person that you're getting it from, it says that I'm in to this deal. I have some proverbial skin in the game, Okay? So backing out of the deal is not something that's really on my mind. So when I see that the Holy Spirit of promise has been given as a pledge to our inheritance, I know that that makes God in deep now. And if you really think about it, being given the Holy Spirit of promise is... A pretty serious down payment. 
Okay? But Erebon also has another meaning. Another meaning. An engagement ring. An engagement ring. See, I know because of the Holy Spirit of promise to my inheritance that there's going to be a marriage dinner. Christ is the groom and the church is the bride. How do I know that? How can I be that emphatic about it? Easy. I've been given an engagement ring. Now, we've got some single people in here, and I will tell you this right off the bat. I've been around a few days. Ladies, if you're single, and the guy tells you he loves you, I love you a lot. I owe you the bee's knees to me. And I want you to know, one of these days I'm going to marry you. Well, let me tell you something, girls. He don't give you a ring. Don't believe it. Because he's got no skin in that game. That ring says, I'm in it. Jesus Christ gave the church an engagement ring that is the person of the Holy Spirit. It is an investment. That is exactly what God has said is going to happen. There will be the wedding of the Lamb and a meal. I personally believe that that seven years of tribulation going on here is when we will be celebrating the marriage feast in heaven. It's funny because everybody knows what's going on down here on earth. I'm more interested in, yo, (laughs) check out the spread in heaven. Is this like a buffet? God is telling us here, I have a promise for you. And I am sealing it with a down payment, a pledge, earnest. The promise is. Is the Holy Spirit of promise. I have an inheritance for you. He is telling every believer. There is something laid up for you. That is absolutely incredible. We can't comprehend it. Absolutely out of the presence of sin. So that we know that it's real. Here's the Holy Spirit as a down payment. My engagement ring to the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, is my spirit of promise. My spirit of promise. It's not some other spirit that I created. This is my spirit. And you know what? With the person of the Holy Spirit... If you're really honest with yourself, really honest, if you're really saved, we'll go that route first. If you're really saved and really honest with yourself, he constantly confirms to us that promise. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter your situation, no matter what you think is the end of the world, you still have a promise. 
he confirms moment by moment, breath by breath, to every child of God that we are sons of God who are awaiting the fulfillment of all the promises of God. So why do we get such a bind around here? It doesn't make sense to me. I remember my little pastor, he says, he looks at it and he smiles and says, do you not understand? It'll all burn. Except for the Holy Spirit of promise. And you're like, wow, never really thought of it that way. But you're right. Okay. Our hearts should be filled with praise to the one who would be so gracious to such a sinner. Paul starts that sentence off. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the praise of his glory is the finish of the sentence. Anybody here ever been mad at God? <laughs> Some of you go, I ain't saying it. You know what that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've been mad at him. Okay. Just hey, listen. Your pastor one time looked up to heaven, shook my fist and said, come down here and fight like a man. Bad move. <laughs> I am just thankful for this one thing. He didn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, it, the Christianity I was in was not a bed of roses. It was just the stems. <laughs> okay. And I kept saying, where is the stinking flower at? <laughs> Listen. When you start understanding what he's done and the fact of the Erebon, the engagement, the earnest money, the pledge, is the Holy Spirit of promise who confirms to you moment by moment of your existence, you're his. You're his. That's what it says. You're his. His own possession. His own possession. And here's the earnest on it. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. A pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care the heartache. Sorry, I'm cold hearted. But you know what? I'm looking at the fulfillment of God's possession. That's what I want. That's what I want. And you know what? When you start getting that focus to uplift Jesus Christ with everything you got going on, it will all come to the praise of his glory. And then you know what? People that cross your life will start realizing that what you've got, they want. What I see today ain't that. But we've got good musicians. That's outstanding. Outstanding. 
We got great audio visual. Well, hallelujah. There's a church here in town that had a thing at Easter. He had sent a film crew, which is really okay. I guess you've arrived when your church has a film crew to Israel to film the tomb, the one that they wanted. They didn't. They won't let you film in the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, but they went and found a tomb, and they filmed that as the tomb and the stone was rolled away. And see, there it is. And he came up to me. I ran into him down at the coffee shop. He came up to me. He says, "How was your Easter service?" I said, "It's great." And he said, "Outstanding, outstanding." He says, "You should have seen ours. It was miraculous. I've never seen anything like it." And I looked over at him and said, "What about when that dude came out of it the first time?" That seems like it ought to be stunning. Oh, it's all on audiovisual. Well, <laughs> well, that was. Never mind. Well, all we need is get Walt Disney to do a film of it, or what's his name, Lucas, George Lucas. Yeah, and we can add it to Star Wars. Chewie gets resurrected, or whatever. I don't get some of this. Are, are we really going to go down that line? That I, you've got to entertain me for Jesus Christ? Really? He's only lavished on you the riches of His grace. That's all. I don't understand that. That is, you just sit there at times, I hear some of this stuff, and I'm like, Am I in a parallel universe somewhere? What in blue blazes is going on? And I'm going to close with this because I seen a guy one time at the funeral of his wife. Okay? The funeral of his wife. She died of cancer. About a four-year struggle or something like that. And... They wanted to play songs that she liked. And I find it fascinating because everything that she liked were the old hymns. And I know that's not where they worship at. That ain't what's going on. And during the singing of these hymns, he's standing out there with his hands up in the air. He gets out in the middle. You know, the, the survivors get the front row he stands in the middle of the aisle and he's got his hands up in the air and he's jumping up and down and i'm sitting there going does that mean he's happy she's gone i i i wasn't and and i really you guys know me i was not brave enough to go to and say what's that all about because i was afraid he'd tell me and i'd <laughs> then I'd know. <laughs> I'd rather just say, but see, that's what I'm looking at. I look at this stuff, and you sit there and go, well, it says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. I have buried a whole bunch of very precious people to me. But I don't grieve as those who have no hope. Why? I have the Holy Spirit of promise. But I have an inheritance. And the redemption of God's own possession. I am God's own possession. If he never gave me anything ever again. 
What in this world is going to outdo that? See what I mean? That's nuts. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to the praise of His glory. And there's more theology in those 202 word sentence than most seminaries possess. Okay? Because in verse 15, see how he starts it? For this reason. What reason would that be? What I just gave you. And then all of a sudden, he says, because of what was in that sentence, look at what your resources are. That's where we go next. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you do on a consistent basis. Father, I pray. We pray that each of us will understand that we are here to glorify you. Father, I pray that every saint in this building right now understands the praise of his glory and wants to glorify you. Father, let us rest full weight upon you, you alone. Father, as we watch the view to the redemption of God's own possession. Again, to the praise of his glory. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the body of Christ. And Father, I pray that each of us, in absolute humility, will bow before you, being spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, that we may exercise the supernatural power that you've instilled in each of us. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.